Assalamu alaikum everyone, welcome back to our second episode in this Thikuda series. I hope you guys are enjoying this series just as much as I am. I feel like, inshallah, this series can help more people open up and think more about how much Thikuda can pour into your life. If you did not listen to episode one, no. Unacceptable, no cookie for you. Go listen to episode one. If you listen to episode one, cookie for you preferably chocolate chip cookies because that's the cookies i like so that's cookies i'm gonna give cookies for you y'all are on the right page you know sometimes i go on twitter and i'm like listen to my new episode for a cookie and somebody goes mm, where's my cookie and i'm just like where's my cookie i want a cookie okay i want a cookie for uploading an episode how's that but go to my first episode for a cookie um will you get one maybe maybe not we're just gonna have to find out right so go to the first episode because i talked about a lot of things that i think can inshallah open up the dimensions and the discussion regarding zikr and how it can connect into your life we also talked about a few tafsir stuff there that i think was really beautiful just to mention um to kind of help all of this sit more in your mind so inshallah here we're going to talk a little bit more about some more virtues inshallah so here we go last time we talked about how the good will save you from regret that is where we left off we shared four things where we talked about four virtues of the good and to recap we talked about how the good is greater than everything how the frequent the good leads to success how the good protects you from being amongst the losers and how the good will save you from regret and one of the key things that i want to highlight the hadith that i talked about in the last episode in depth was on the day of judgment when the veil revealing the rewards of actions lifted people will not see any action with greater reward than the good then some people will feel regret and say there was nothing easier easier for us than they could and another um, narration was mentioned how the people of paradise will not regret anything except for those moments in which they did not remember allah the people of paradise and i really emphasized and i talked about that there so i highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode starting off casual with our next virtue vikr is a protection against shaitan the prophet peace be upon him said i command you to remember allah verily the parable of that is a man who goes forth while his enemies are fast upon him and then he comes to a safe fortress where he protects himself from them. In the same way a servant will not protect himself against shaitan except by dhikr of Allah. Okay? Um, and this was Prophet Muhammad Tisi when I'm quoting Yahya al-Islam. And I find this very, very interesting. Of course, I find this strange. But I find it interesting because I want you to think about this hadith outside of just what we're hearing. Because a lot of times we hear these virtues and again, we don't apply them. We don't think about them. And this whole series is here to kind of help you internalize this stuff and kind of grow it more in your life. Think about a lot of the sins and the temptations in your life that you struggle with. If you struggle with dinner, you struggle with lust, you struggle with drug addiction, whatever it might be. Um, you just, you might struggle with a lot of things. We all have things and sins and temptations that we struggle with. This is the test of life. This is why we're here. And, you know, a lot of times, and I talked about this in the last episode, we talk about how difficult it is, you know, sometimes to go to Jannah. Because we're like, oh, there's so much fitna, there's this, there's that. And when you think about the route to Jannah, the route to Jannah is hard. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already given us the guidance and the ways and the keys and everything that you want to call it to Jannah. He's told us, here's what you can do to get your sins forgiven. Here's what you can do at this time to get your sins forgiven. Here's when duas are answered more, most. Here's the virtue of reading the Quran. Here's what you can do in this. Like, everything is there for us, right? And it's just about us going back and learning. You know, I bet a lot of people can relate to this. Um, sometimes, you know, if you ever had a professor or a teacher that tests you on things that you have zero knowledge about and you've never talked about and you've never once had a discussion about in your notes, in your study guides, in your PowerPoints, like it's never once mentioned, right? Um, that's not that's not God. <laughs> and of course, not even the parable isn't even the same of a human, but um, it's not. 
It's not. And you know, a lot of people, they tend to make it seem like, you know what, I'm just stuck in this cycle and this test and God never told me what to do. You're stuck. You're having a hard time make a decision. Pray tahara. You're having a hard time. You want a dot answered. Pray tahajjad. There's so many things that we're told about. There's a virtue of this surah. Here's what you can do to get forgiveness. Here's what you can do to, you know, be amongst those Allah loves. Whatever it is. And there's so many things. And I'm not saying that it's a walk in a park, obviously, because shaitan exists. And it's very hard with shaitan. There's a lot of sins. There's a lot of things that make it difficult. But, you know, we are being told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, in multiple occasions how you know this life is a test it's not going to be easy no one said it was going to be easy and that is exactly why we have these guidances and things in front of us you know when i used to be little and i remember this all the time in sunday school and in like any islamic class and just growing up anytime i used to hear that you know the prophets peace be upon all them had these miracles right where the sea split you know whale you know being in the stomach of a whale like all these things i was like but i just if i see with my own eyes astaghfirullah a lot of times we have like this this entitlement and i talked about this a lot before where we think like but you know what if i see it though you know if i see it i'm gonna believe it it's crazy because back in the day we used to see the quran is filled with stories of people who said we will believe if you do this and they still did not believe and it's funny because we think that sometimes there weren't any different right we think well i'm not arrogant i'm not like that i'm not from that tribe i'm not from those people if i see a miracle i'm gonna believe it it's funny it's easy to say but a lot of times i think in my life that whole thing of why didn't we get a miracle why don't i see a sea splitting why don't i see this this happening i think that that a lot of it comes because you don't actually understand what a big miracle the quran is and when i was little and i used to get this answer i was like okay hold on pause answer my question why do i not? like i was so adamant when i was younger i just wanted to see these miracles happen in front of me but then i feel like you sometimes think about it as a human being like i don't even think we have that much capacity especially like now we don't have that capacity to judge ourselves and think to ourselves like you know what but i'm going to be different i'm going to be the special case you know god should just show me a sign no Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's religion has people entering it in crowds and he you know like the sense of entitlement that like it's me he needs to show me Mm -mm. the quran within itself is the biggest miracle and if you take time to build that relationship with the quran you'll find it you'll find it everywhere in your life you'll find it the comfort of it you'll find it in every corner of your life and that even being in your life the miracles of the quran that are within the quran in itself is a whole other discussion so remember these things that move accordingly life is not easy and we all know that shaitan is there and he's our biggest enemy but this concept of simply saying words of dhikr keeps shaitan away and girl we want him away right there's it really protects you from shaitan it helps you be in that safe fortress as we say some people talking about the morning and evening adhkar there are so many benefits to be reading your morning and evening adhkars if you do not know your morning and evening adhkars go into the link in my bio click on resources i have them linked for you please read your morning and evening adhkars if you do not read them I will, I will come to your door. Do read your morning and evening of the goddess, okay? They're so good for you. Um, it, it will change your life. I can't even tell you how much my life has changed in my own family. And I've talked to so many people. Those, you know, weird misfortunes and mishaps and stuff that just happens in your day and inconveniences and just so much stress and depression. Like, you'll notice so many things. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, all the goddess, the cure for depression. Da, da, da. Like, I've talked a lot about Islam and depression and whatever. But I definitely do think that... um they save you from a lot. They keep you protected from shaitan. It's it's something you got to do.
as we already talked about, but our next one being that dhikr is the best protection from the punishment, right? The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, there's nothing better a person can do to save himself from Allah's punishment than to remember him. Simple, 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 simple. And very, there's a lot we can say again. Not just doing dhikr, remembering Allah, but in your day-to-day -day life, right? When you live in a way where you're constantly in dialogue with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you constantly remember Allah and everything that you do, this remembrance, having Him on the back of your mind, remembering that God is greater than everything, than everything, this whole concept really helps you and protects you from punishment because you're going to think twice before you do something haram. You're going to think twice before you text that person. You're going to think twice before you go to that place. You're going to think twice before you leave the house wearing that. And there's this sense of you know, the sense of caution, the sense of, I know Allah is watching me and Allah's watchful eye is enough for me. You know, we all have people that maybe sometimes in life you might be scared of, right? Some people, you're scared of your parents. Or if I do this, my parents are going to kill me. Or if I do this, you know, so-and-so is going to be so mad at me. I can't do this or I can't go to work like this. My boss is going to be so mad at me. I can't be caught speeding. The police is going to see me. I don't even know. Everybody has like, oh, I can't do this, right? Allah's watchful eye is always on you. And let that be enough for you. In bad times, good times and everything. A lot of times when you're facing, un you know, injustice, you're like, when is Allah's justice going to come? When are people going to see what I'm going through? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's watchful eye is always on you. And this is something I like to try my best to tell people that do dawah as well, that might preach Islam on social media as well. Not everyone's going to like you. And at some point or another, you might get canceled. People might hate you. People might despise you. And at some point, people might love you. People might adore you. People might, you know, rank you up to number one. And people will be there for you. People will just adore you. And you'll love the way that they adore you. You'll love the way that they care about you. But those eyes, alhamdulillah, that's, that's okay. But it's Allah that places that love in their heart. Let Allah's watchful eye be enough for you. That's something I try to tell myself all the time. Let Allah's watchful eye be enough for you. And here is another very, very beautiful virtue that I am probably going to tear up and talk about for quite a minute. The reward of one who remembers Allah is that Allah remembers in him. Allah remembers him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Remember me and I'll remember you. In 2.152, the Prophet, peace be upon him, has also said, I am as my slave thinks of me, and I am with him when he remembers me. And if he remembers me within himself, I remember him within myself. And if he remembers me in a gathering, I remember him in a better gathering. And if he draws one span nearer to me, I draw one cubit nearer to him. And if he draws one cubit nearer to me, I draw a distance of two outstretched arms nearer to him. And if he comes to me walking, I go to him running. Uh, these could see a lot of us have heard that one. We all know that one. I've talked about that one a lot. Sit down. We're going to talk. I know we've all heard this one a lot, but I want you to really, again, we're trying to break apart these things and think about them. In the last episode, I talked a lot about Hajar and how, you know, Hajar ran between the two hills and how just doing whatever you can for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake, we eventually saw how the water gushed forth and all of that happened. And in life, you know, we also talked about how sometimes in life you'll have circumstances where everything you do, you might feel like you're unsuccessful and you're not good and you're not, you know, the best in, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still pave a way for you. And it's not always about how you view yourself or how you think you do things. It's just about doing them for Allah. And when you read this hadith, I feel like this hadith never fails to like make me feel ways. Because when you think about it, I'm as my slave thinks of me and I'm with him when he remembers me. And so if he remembers me within himself, I remember him within myself. And if he remembers me in a gathering, I remember in a better gathering. Think about all the times that you went to like your masajid and y'all had like the biggest turnout. And like everybody's there listening to some halakha or something about, you know, islam allah whatever it might be like y'all are just all there listening and you're like bro it is packed up in here and it is so many people allah remembers that person in the bigger gathering think about the times when 
you might be just talking to your friends about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You might just be reflecting. Allah remembers you in better and bigger places. Allah rewards you even more. And it's so crazy because, you know, when you, we always talk a lot about the phrase, like, I'm as my slave thinks of me, think good of Allah and he's good to you. But even then, constantly being that remembrance of Allah. And it's, it's just, it's so wholesome. <laughs> I don't want to use that term. It's so wholesome. But anything that you do, God does better. Always, right? Within itself, just the comparison of human being, we are nothing. We're run by God. But anything that you do, God does better. You remember him, he remembers you in a bigger gathering. You draw one cube near him, he draws more than you do. You draw a distance of two outstretched, he comes arms nearer to you. You go to him walking, he comes to you running. Like anything that you do, God does it better and God does it more for you. Because God sees those little attempts. And I feel like so much of this life, you're just struggling to prove that, oh, I'm worthy, I can do this. Or to like make your, or to like to prove somebody else that you can do something, right? Whether, wherever that might be. That might be within your own family, that might be at a job, that might be, you know, showing that I can do this, I can prove my efforts. And a lot of times, sometimes, you know, all the efforts you make, they might end up in vain. They might not work. You can try really hard for a lot of things in life. You can try really hard to get that promotion, you might not get it. You can try really hard to make your parents happy, you might not make them happy. You can try really hard to marry that person. You might not marry them. You can try really hard to have this home. You might not get that home. You can try really hard for so many people. And your efforts, they won't see it. But when you try with Allah, even if you fail, He sees it. And there's nothing more calming and relaxing than knowing that God's watchful eye sees you. You know, sometimes I've had people tell me things like, Oh, I want to pray Stahara, but I can't because I don't even pray my five prayers. Or I want to pray Tahajjud, but I can't because I don't even pray my five prayers. I want to ask Allah for guidance on something, but how can I ask Allah guidance on something when I don't even pray my five prayers? How can I ask Allah to give me this thing when I don't even pray my five prayers? I don't even, you know, do what I have to do. And now here I come, you know, doing Istahara and the Hajjad, and I'm thinking like, Allah, answer me. But I don't even do the five prayers that he's told me to do. And, you know, for people like that, um, they kind of find themselves in a rut where like, they want to become a better person. They want to start doing these better things. And they want to start praying istahara and tahajjah. And they're like, oh, I'll only pray two prayers a day. How can I ask Allah like this? And my advice really in this circumstance would be, honestly, show up to Allah's door as you are, not as you think you should be. Because when you get so worried about how you are showing up to God's door instead of whether or not you're even showing up, you're missing the main point of what God can do for you. Go to God as you are and he'll make you what you need to be. And we talked about in this hadith kusi how there's nothing that you can do that God can't do better. Not just in the nature of who God is, but no gathering you remember him in except he remembers you in greater. No efforts to draw near to him except that he does even greater. So there is no need for you to feel like you have to come as this perfect whole self to God and then say to God, now this is my istahara, now this is my tahajjadah, this is what I'm asking you. Go to Allah as you are, not as you should be. And when you go to him as you are, not only will he make you better than as you came to him, he will make you exactly what you're trying to be and perhaps even better, the best version of you. So don't live in those circumstances of well i have not even done this for so long how can i do this start somewhere you will start somewhere and you never know this can slowly lead you to the journey of becoming a better muslim inshallah our next reason which this would tie in to be number eight total if we're counting from the last ep 
that they could is the best reason for gathering, and we kind of talked about this. The messenger, peace and blessings be upon him, said, When a group of people assemble for the dhikr of Allah, the angels surround them, Allah's mercy envelopes them, tranquility descends upon them, and Allah mentions them to those who are near him. The messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, also said, When you pass by the meadows of paradise, then graze well. They asked, What are the meadows of paradise? He replied, The circles of dhikr. So you can see the mention of dhikr comes up quite often, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only are the angels surrounding you, but his mercy envelopes them, tranquility descends upon them. And you can see how all of these things in life that we kind of subconsciously chase, right? But that's tranquility, peace, you know, peace of mind, contentment. We just want to be happy, whatever it is. You want to hang out with people and feel like you're not, you know, just there. You want to feel like it's a more purposeful hangout. The dhikr, remembering Allah in a, in a gathering is the greatest reason to gather, bringing people together for that reason. The next reasoning dhikr is the best of all deeds this is obviously a beautiful virtue that we have been talking about but the prophet peace be upon him said shall i not inform you of the best of your deeds and the purest of them with your master and the highest of them in ranks and it's better for you than spending gold and silver and better for you than meeting your enemy and striking their necks and they strike your necks they replied of course he peace be upon him said the remembrance of allah and you can see there's so many different examples given here right the best of your deeds the purest of them with Allah, right? The purest of them with your master and the highest of them in rank. So this is, not only is this something that is the best, it is high in rank, it is pure with your master and it is better than spending gold and silver. This is better than you physically taking out gold and silver. This is the dhikr of Allah, right? And another situation, right? A man asked the Prophet, peace be upon him, which warriors are the best? He, peace be upon him, replied, those who remember Allah the most. And so the man asked, which of those who fast are the best? He, peace be upon him, replied, those who remember Allah the most. Then the man mentioned Salah, Zakah, and Hajj, and each time the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, those who remember Allah the most. Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, said to Umar, um, had once said to Umar, may Allah be pleased with him as well, how those who remember Allah have taken all the good. At which the messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, said, yes, indeed. So you can see in different hadiths, in different sections that we're sharing, how there's multiple different conversations, multiple different examples of the Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioning how dhikr is so high and it's so amazing in what it is, right? And then there's also another really common one that we kind of remember. One of the companions, again, may I be pleased with them, asked, O messenger of Allah, the laws of Islam have become many for me. So tell me something which I can cling on to. He, peace be upon him, replied, always keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah. And that is important. And I think that that should be talked about. With all the hadiths that we're mentioning, it's showing the beautiful ranks and how much, you know, they could can help you and the beautiful virtues behind it. But when you think about your deen and how hard things can be, right? You're praying, you're doing whatever you can, but you also feel overwhelmed. One of the things that are so important, you know, after your pillars and whatever it might be, remembrance of Allah, constantly remember Allah. And, you know, I tell this to people as well because, you know, sometimes when you're seeking knowledge and, like, you might be doing things, which if they're good things to do, and you're doing all of this stuff, whether that may be studying Hadith, studying this, studying that, learning about this, watching this, reading this, right? You're doing this to gain a closeness to Allah, which is great. But sometimes, un unconsciously, you know, we start to do things and we're on autopilot or we're burnt out or we're not really taking in the knowledge that we're learning. You really want to be careful because knowledge can testify goodness for you or against you and you want it to test good for you. That's what you're doing it for. But sometimes when you get so caught up and you're so overstimulated, literally, you're just overstimulated, you know, and it can be really hard to keep a consistent routine. And in those moments when everything's going haywire, really the best thing you can do for yourself is the remembrance of Allah, not just when things are going haywire, but also when things are going okay. Because if you do not remember Allah in both times, I promise you, 
you're setting yourself up. Remember Allah and good. Remember Allah and bad. And I always tell people when things are bad, of course, you ask Allah for help. You ask him to make it better. And when things are good, God wants to see that gratitude from you because you are so blessed to have that good. You know, a lot of the sins that we commit and a lot of the mistakes and the places where we mess up come out of boredom, shockingly. A lot of times when people are bored or when life is just quote, quote, boring, or as I'd like to say, peaceful, <laughs> peaceful, um, life is just peaceful, life is quote, quote, boring, and you're just living your day-to-day -day routine, you know, that's kind of when the mind is open, it's an open field, it's not occupied with anything productive or, you know, purposeful, that's when those gates open of, oh, you know, like this fitna and this sin, and I wonder what this is like, and I wonder what it's like to do this, and that that's kind of when everything starts to open, which is not hot, <laughs> not hot. And that's how bad habits are formed. So if you're in a stage of your life where life is good, alhamdulillah, or life is, in a quote, boring or peaceful, as I like to say, um, take this time to make constructive good habits and make the good one of them. You know, this next virtue is very, very beautiful and interesting. Um, so the good leads to Allah boasting about you to the angels. The Prophet, peace be upon him, came out to a gathering of his companions and he asked, what has made you sit here? And they replied, we are sitting to remember Allah and to praise him for guiding us to Islam and blessing us with it. The Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, by Allah, is that the reason? Is that the only reason? And they replied, by Allah, we are only sitting for that. And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, indeed, I did not make you swear on an oath because I doubted you. Rather, Jibril came to me and informed me that Allah the Almighty is boasting about you to the angels. I found this one really interesting, and I think that there's a lot of perspective that you can think about with this one. I want you to think about someone that you really, really look up to and like, you know, someone that you're like, oh my God, like this is my role model, whatever it might be, or someone that you're just very proud of, someone that you just really, really like aspire to be. And if that person might compliment you or say that you're doing good, or they might, you know, give you some type of praise or they acknowledge you it might make you feel happy it might make you feel like wow this person like sees what i'm doing or they're like feeling proud of me or whatever it might be like you feel so at awe when someone you look up to or someone you care about compliments you even if it's a normal person right but even if it's someone very knowledgeable or someone very famous whatever it might be like you might feel ways and when you think about the fact that allah is above everything and everyone the most knowledgeable it's very interesting because Allah is boasting to you about the angels. Allah sees what you're doing and he sees his watchful eye. Like we talked about, his watchful eye is plenty. And he sees what's going on and he's talking about it and he's boasting about it with the angels. And I find that incredibly beautiful. And it's so, like, it's so insane to imagine surreal because you're just a normal human being. Me and you are just normal little human beings sitting in our bedroom doing the good and... This is what's going on in the, behind the scenes. And I feel like that belief in the unseen and in that belief in the things that you might not be able to, you know, directly feel or see or understand right now is so beautiful, especially in Islam, because there's so much going on for you that you don't see and so much reward for you in places that you don't even know. And you find out, inshallah, on the day of judgment. And, and you know, as you go on in life, like, wow, like, look, you're getting rewarded for this. You never know what you're getting rewarded for, which came out of a kindness that you did like years and years before. This next virtue is something that we've been talking about for quite some time now. And what this essentially says is that dhikr is the path to knowing Allah, loving Him, and being loved by Him. And this this is just beautiful. And I think that this is a really nice um, reminder of everything we've been talking about. Ibn al-Qayyam, may Allah have mercy on him, said, Indeed, Allah has made a means for attaining everything. He has made continuous remembrance dhikr, the means for love. So whoever wants the love of Allah, then let him fervently remember Him. And that is the tea.
You know, something interesting as an analogy I always like to put forth. How would you feel if someone who claims to love you, ignores you during the day, forgets you in the night, and avoids you in the morning, yet only remembers you when you are in need of him? That is usually how we treat our creator. And I found this very interesting and something to mention while we talk about this phrase that we just now read by Ibn al-Qayyam, how a lot of times we want Allah to love us and we want to love Allah and we want to have this big relationship and be good Muslims and go to Jannah, but we don't actually take that step and we don't actually go towards that path. And when you realize that Dikr is that path and not just knowing Allah and being loved by Him, but also loving Him yourself, it creates a beautiful relationship and it helps open up doors that quite often are not used. We often don't hear people saying, you know what, do Dikr and You'll love Allah and Allah will love you. We're just like, okay, do dhikr. Your sins are going to be forgiven. Remember Allah, you know. Be mindful of Him. But there's so much more to it. And I find that really, really interesting, right? You know, there's another um, beautiful quote that was mentioned. The sign, of, the sign of the love of Allah is that there is no great deal of remembrance of Him. Because if you ever love a thing, you remember it a great deal. Which is exactly what we just said. When you, re- when you love someone, when you remember someone, you do things. You do not just come to them, you know, when you need them and say, Hey, I need you. Can you help me? Instead, you remember them in the day. You remember them at the night. You were at their aid to help them. You don't just leave them to leave them. You don't just give up when things are hard. You don't just run away just to run away, right? Um, nor do you lie or betray or do any of those things. And when you look at the relationship with Allah, quite often that's what we do. We betray Allah. We are disloyal to Allah. We run away when things get hard. We run away and we're like, why isn't Allah answering my dua? I made dua to you. You didn't answer my dua. I asked you to help thee and you didn't help me. And I want to... I want to talk about this for two seconds. I've talked about this really extensively in my podcast, so it's not something I'm going to go really in-depth with, but just for some context. You know, fundamentally, I believe that um, a lot of us don't actually understand dua because dua is such a big center and such a big part of our worship and our religion and us as Muslims. And a lot of times we just think of it as, okay, ask Allah and He will give you, right? But the point of dua is actually to acknowledge before Allah, it's like an admission to Allah that He's the one who gives and where I need, Right? And so you don't get to decide that, you know what, this is not the answer that I was looking for. This is not what I had in mind. You do not get to choose the answer to your prayer because you'll never be able to love yourself the way that God loves you. You cannot just be like, this is not what I had in mind. Because here's the thing, when you order something online, you know what you ordered, you're expecting to get what you ordered. But in this case, you ordered nothing. You did nothing. You're just sitting here asking Allah for something. You know, there's this beautiful... um, I guess you could kind of call it kind of like an explanation of dua that was given around Al-Faron, around Pharaoh's dynasty, when a mu'min talked about dua, right? And long story short, it's a lot of phrases, a lot to talk about. But one of the things that was mentioned was Al-Dawfid, right? Which in Arabic basically means to leave something in somebody else's hands. And think about leaving something in somebody else's hands, right? You're putting someone else in charge of this. You're letting them deal with it. If you're worried, they're probably going to be worried too. If you have them taking care of it, they're going to take care of it. And now think about this as within you and Allah. You give something to Allah, Allah will take care of it. Put somebody else in charge of these matters, right? You have a partnership with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is as worried about this as you are, if not more. Leave it in Allah's hands. Let Allah deal with it. Hmm. And you know, in some cases, just generally... It's important to remember that when you order something, you know what you ordered. You paid. You ordered it. You know what you're going to get. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you didn't give anything. You're just asking God for something and inshallah, he'll give you what is best like always. So don't get so caught up in, oh my God, I didn't get what I wanted. And, you know, I feel like life is just, your du'as are not getting answered. Things are going up and down haywire. Live, live, love, laugh. Because God's doing it better than you will. So that's that.
The next and last virtue that I would like to mention is that dhikr is a source of nur and light. Allah says, On the day you will see believing men and women with their light shining ahead of them, and on their right they'll be told, Today you have good news of gardens under which rivers flow to stay in forever. This is the ultimate triumph. That's 57.12 of the Quran, by the way. So it's so beautifully said how dhikr will be a nur not just for you on that day, but also in your grave and on the day of judgment. This nur will keep you steady on the sirat. It will make it easier for you on the day of judgment. It will guide you to paradise. Dhikr is also nur in this world, right? It illuminates your heart, your face, and the rest of your body. Ibn al-Qayyam, Bilal Murtalim, explains that the more nur the heart has, the greater the nur of your actions and words will be. Thus, there are some believers whose actions go up to Allah, and their nur of their deeds is like the light of the sun, right? And, and I think that's a very, very beautiful thing to mention. Because I've heard a lot of people tell me how they're scared about, you know, the sarat and crossing. And of course, as we all should be, right? Um, and just being in your grave. I think that a lot of people don't like to talk about this. And now it's going to get dark. But genuinely, like, imagine you die, right? And we're getting dark already. You die. You're in your grave. It's dark. It's alone. That's it. You know, people are going to be sad about you for a minute. People might cry about you for a few weeks. They might give sadaqah and different charities and different stuff for you. Then eventually you're going to die and you're going to be in your grave. And you're the one that's going to have to deal with whatever happens i rarely say stuff like this on my podcast because i don't like to i don't like to scare people but this is also a reality um and this is why you know when i meet people and they're like oh, i'm so scared i don't know what i'm gonna do the day when i'm in my grave or i have to cross the sarat on my day of judgment it's scary undoubtedly it's scary and i think that no matter how much we do when we go on that day we're still gonna feel like we didn't do enough but when allah has told you some ideas and whatever you can do vicar praying whatever do those things allah's not going to tell you to do something and then mm, you know what i just wasn't feeling it and throw you in hell stuck for allah no you know that's what a lot of people make it seem like i've talked to a lot of people they're like but i pray and i do dhikr and i do this and i do that and i feel like i'm still gonna go to hell you know that feeling is a beautiful way to if 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 you learn to use it in a beautiful way to motivate you to do even more and to do better things but a lot of people take that feeling and use it as a way to just give up and be like oh no matter what i do it's never enough and then that's just a complete different direction god wants to see you try right and this nur that they could brings into your life is something that is unexplainable and it's something that you have to do to find out right i want to close this episode off by a beautiful statement by Ibn al-Qayyam, who said, By Allah, if you could hear the sound of the pens of the angels writing your name amongst those who remember Allah, you would die out of joy. And I think that that is a beautiful closing point. We all have something in this world that we are seeking for, that we're hoping for, or success that we're chasing for. But just simply hearing, you know, the way that the angels and their pens, they're writing our names, that is truly greater than anything that me and you could be chasing for or could be wanting. So, I hope this these episodes so far are kind of helping you internalize how just saying such small words and even just sitting in the remembrance of Allah, remembering Allah in your day-to-day tasks, having that, you know, that constant subconscious in your mind that God is watching me, God is, you know, here with me, God is seeing what I'm doing, whatever it might be, that can really help drive you to a better life. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this series. Please feel free to leave me some feedback. Take care of yourself. Have a great rest of your day. Assalamu alaikum.